and affection for God's Word remain standing, please, dear friends, and turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, the very first book in the New Testament. We'll uh, continue in our study today with chapter 13, verses 24 through 30, and then jump ahead to verses 36 through 43. Because we have two different pew Bibles in the, under the seat in front of you, you're going to find that on page 691 or page 794. So if you get to 691 and it's not there, then jump to 794 and it will be there. I promise. I hope. As you turn there, friends, we are uh, we're doing a short study on uh, Matthew's uh, gospel parables. Last week we looked at the beginning of chapter 13. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the chapter in Matthew's gospel that really is known but to be the chapter full of parables because there are seven of them. And last week we looked at the sower who scattered the seed and the seed that fell on various types of soil and we asked ourselves the question, which soil are we? There are four types and we wanted to be certain that it is the last type, the good soil that has already been prepared by the grace of the Lord Jesus, that the seed falls on the good soil. And then from that good soil now, we have the continuation. Jesus moves to another parable, uh, another farming parable. And this parable, he says, now, if you understand that the good seed has fallen on good soil, then what is that going to look like? What will that produce? That is the parable then that we have today. This parable of the wheat and the weeds that grow together. So we continue to ask ourselves this very important question. Is this gospel taking root in a good heart, good soil, and now is it producing uh, the very good things that he commands us to do? Not the other way around. Be sure you get that from the get-go. It's not our works that produces God's favor. It is God's favor that drives us to do good works. Let us then give full attention to God's holy, infallible, and inerrant word. Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 24. Hear now the very words of God. Jesus went on and told another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat, and then he went away. When the wheat sprouted up and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servant came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Why then, uh, where did the seed or the weeds come from? An enemy has done this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let them both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters first to collect the weeds and tie them into bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring them into my barn. Verse 36. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are his angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the fiery furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth." Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. 
This is the word of the Lord. And what do we know about God's word? The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands. It is your word, Heavenly Father, that we now give our full attention to, having read it and now as we listen to it proclaimed, would you, by the power of your spirit, open our eyes to behold wonderful things from this portion of your word, we pray. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Please, friends, be seated. When I was taking my fire entrance exam for the city of Louisville to become a, a fireman, there was only one position that was open. And I went through all of the testing, I went through all of the physical agility stuff, and I went through the oral interview, and then I found out that I was number two on the list. And the guy right above me, the guy who was number one, was a, a volunteer that worked there in the, uh, the volunteer fire department, part of the, the overall fire department in the city of Louisville. I was a volunteer there as well, so I, I knew the guy. Uh, congratulated him on his uh, efforts and what he had done, and I proudly took my place as second fiddle. And then one particular day, I was a dispatcher at the time, so one particular day, uh, uh, one of the captains came to me and he said, Bryant, are you ready to move from communications into suppression? I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, you're number one. You've moved to the top, so you're, you're going to get the job. And I said, well, what happened to so-and-so? What happened to the guy who was number one? He said, oh, while we were doing his background check, we found out that he had committed arson and had started several fires that we've been fighting the last few months. Well, it worked in my favor, so I didn't, <laughs> I didn't have that reaction. I had a, oh, <laughs> no, I hear, hear this guy. I knew this guy. I, I knew this guy. We were, we were friends, not close friends, but we were friends enough to know that, uh, uh, that I knew him and he knew me. But he was one of us, but he really wasn't one of us. He, he had a uniform, like we had a uniform, but he was out starting fires and then putting us in danger while we were there putting out the fire, he was counterfeit. He said he was one thing, but he was something completely different. That is exactly what Jesus is saying in this parable that's before us this morning. He, he's saying, he, he continues this idea of farming. And you remember from last week we said only, the, only the, the wealthy would have been unaffected by a bad crop. All of these individuals were farming, farmers in, in some way because there, there wasn't any kind of grocery stores and stuff like that in the context of that particular day. They all would have understood. Jesus picked the perfect illustration for them to connect with. And this illustration was farming. And he continues with that today, starting with seed that we looked at at the beginning of chapter 13. And he continues with that today, telling another parable. And you remember... The word parable begins in chapter 13. Even though Jesus has already told some stories at the beginning, chapters uh, 3, 4, 5, and so forth, through, uh, through the Gospel of Matthew, they're not identified as parables until chapter 13. The word parable is a compound word. Para, balo, the Greek. Para, alongside or with, balo, to throw. It literally means to throw alongside. So what Jesus is doing now 
is throwing alongside their lives this teaching on the kingdom of heaven, what the kingdom of God looks like, what it ought to look like, what Jesus has come now to do for us and in us, and he throws alongside that teaching, the teaching of the kingdom, illustrations, stories that address real-life issues that they can understand that we would be left asking ourselves the question, which one are we? Do you simply look the part, dear friends? Or has Jesus Christ totally affected your life from the inside out? Has he planted good seed in good soil to the point now that from that good seed, these streams of living water that are blowing up from within us are now being seen in the very lives that we live? Or are you simply looking the part? Are you trying to fool yourself? Are you trying to fool others? Are you trying to fool God? Or are you actually a converted believer who loves the Lord Jesus, longs for His appearing, and has been given this gift of grace and is now living that grace? It's a very important question, friends, because it is the matter of life and death. Jesus prepares our hearts. That's what he has already told us at the end of the passage that we looked at last week. He tells us that in verse 23. He has produced, he is uh, the one who received the good seed, is the good seed that fell on good soil. He has prepared that good soil for us, saved by grace, not by our works. He has saved us by grace, working this good seed in our hearts to produce fruit within us so that now, the end of our text this morning, verse 43, we might shine like the sun. We might shine like the sun in part today until the fullness of the glory of the Lord is revealed. The fullness of the kingdom comes when Jesus comes a second time in the day of harvest. And then on that day, we would continue to shine like the sun forever and forever. Are you shining? Are you shining? Or are you just playing a part? Are you counterfeit? The way we looked at the parables here recently, it's usually just the context and the parable. We, we get some understanding of the parable, and then we look at a, the way individuals respond to that parable. We've been doing that the last few weeks with two points, the parable itself and the context of the parable, followed by those who heard the parable and how they responded to it or how we're supposed to respond to it. Well, today we actually have three points, and it's in, in sets of twos. He gives us two sowers and two reactions to those sowers and then two conclusions. So let's, let's look at the parable then, the beginning of the parable. Every one of these sets of two, Jesus identifies himself. He compares himself to what it is that we're supposed to be doing by who he is and what he has already done for us. This parable, like the one last week from the beginning of chapter 13, is divided into two sections where he gives the parable and then something happens in between. And then the disciples come to him, and only the disciples come to him and say, hey, will you explain that to us? He explains the parable in the last part of our text this morning, and it really it gives us no doubt what it is that Jesus has been teaching, right? He identifies what every part of the story was by going back then and saying, this stands for that, that stands for this, and so on. And he gives us full understanding. And then he says, now, a good 
uh, 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 the, the kingdom is like the man who went and sowed good seed in his field. He starts with himself. He, is, he tells us later on in verse 36 and 37 that he's the one who has planted the good seed in the field. He is the son of man. By the way, this is the, the term that Jesus most often in the gospel refers to himself as, the son of man. So he has sown good seed in his field. He starts with himself. Why? He starts with himself because of the verse 23, because of the passage that we looked at last week. He continues this understanding that it is by grace that we are saved. He prepares our hearts to hear his word as he plants that word in our hearts to cause the scales to fall from our eyes. We don't come to Christ because we are good enough, because we can earn favor with him. He extends grace to us. Uh, grace and mercy to us in preparing our hearts to hear his word and then respond to it. So he prepares that heart. This good sower is the one who's preparing his heart before he, our hearts before he even spreads the seed. The second person, the second sower there, verse 25 and 26, is identified then as the devil. He gives us that understanding in the explanation that follows in verse 39. It's the devil who has planted the, uh, comes along and re-sows, literally translated, has re-sown seed, or he has scattered seed on top of the seed. He comes along secondary to the Lord Jesus and now is scattering his seed, which is not good seed. This word that's Translated for us that re-sowing or sown on top of the other uh, and his seed is in the Latin derivative gives us uh, our word today, the darnel, which is a, a weed that, that pops up like wheat and the, the very beginning and early stages, the head of the weed looks just like the head of wheat which is exactly what Jesus goes on to say in the, when he's telling the, them not to pull them up because you're not going to know which, which one is good and which one is bad. Darnel looks just like wheat. Go Google it. Trust me. You'll get a picture. And it looks like the beginning of wheat, this little fuzzy-looking head like, the, like wheat as well. Now get, get Jesus' point here in the story. The context, remember, of Jesus' teaching is what? The kingdom of God, kingdom living, he is working seed in our hearts, preparing our hearts to receive this seed, and now is telling us that alongside of us, at the same time, together, wheat and weeds grow side by side. And they look so much alike that many times, friends, you can't even tell the difference between the two. Do you get that? Could that be you? Could it be, friend, that you have not trusted solely in Jesus Christ as your Savior, but yet you're looking such a part? You're looking, that, you're looking just like the, the wheat, but you're actually the weed, the darnel that's growing side by side. Jesus is telling us, don't take for granted what it is that I've given to you. This is an important parable for us to give our full attention to, because this could actually be us. So we ask ourselves the question, uh, am, am I this one or am I that one? Which one am I? But friends, I think many times, especially in reform circles, we love our doctrine so, and rightly so. I love my doctrine, the doctrine of the church. But many times to the exclusion of giving any attention to the evil one who lives to kill, to steal, and to destroy. 
He lingers around trying to trip us up, trying to fool us, trying to give us a false hope, a false gospel, which is really no gospel at all. And we think so little of his ability to do anything that we elevate ourselves when we're not even asking ourselves the question, am I really the weed instead of the wheat? So Jesus gives us the two sowers. Then moves right along into the, the two reactions. The, the servants are the first ones. Look at them, the owners of the servant, verse 27. They come to him and say, Sir, didn't you plant good seed in your field? Why did you plant bad seed? Now, before you jump to this conclusion and think, these guys are honorable, aren't they? They say, you know, we're, we're going to go and we're gonna, we, we've worked your field all day, but now we're going to go back to the field. We're going to give you some extra time, old master, and we're going to go back to your field and we're going we're to pull up these darn weeds and we're going to get them out of there. We're going to throw them away and we're going to volunteer to do that. You don't have to send us into the field. We're going to volunteer to do that on our own. Before you get there, whose job was it to protect the master's field to start with? It was theirs. They had failed. They, had, they went to sleep. They were napping on the job. They were sleeping. Which is oftentimes what we do many times when instead of giving full attention to the gospel, instead of giving full attention to thinking, am I this guy or am I that guy? We just lie down and we take a little nap. Now their end, the end that they came to the conclusion, the end was, was honorable to get rid of the weeds. But the process to get to the end was a process that lacked wisdom. They were, they were going to go pull the, the weeds up, which might disturb the wheat at the same time. They had a good end conclusion, but they lacked wisdom getting to that very end. And don't we do that oftentimes today? I see this when you, when you see these two crowds, one on each side, and one crowd stands for something that we would actually say is wrong and evil, and another crowd that stands for something that we would actually say is good and right, and yet they're just screaming back and forth at each other. And what is missed is the, the whole gospel at the way, at the way they're, they're conducting themselves. They miss the, the opportunity to stand for what is actually true. It's, it's ruined for this crowd, because they're just like them, screaming and shouting and going about things in a different way, the same way as the opposition. So the end was, was honorable, but their, their, their behavior to get to the end, their process to get to the end was flawed. So what does Jesus then say, his reaction? He says, no, no, verse 29, don't do that. Don't go and pull the weeds up, because when you do, you may pull up you may pull up the, the wheat as well. Friends, Jesus is saying, this is a warning. A warning for you to hear. A warning for us to hear. To ask ourselves, which one are we? When Jennifer and I moved into our new home that we designed, built a couple of years ago, we bought this lot. And this lot was filled with nothing but Dallas grass and a little bit of Bermuda. And then they came in and they built the whole house. And then the, the landscaper guy came in with his little bobcat and he leveled all the topsoil and then he quickly threw the sod down on top before I got there to see what was happening. And it looked so pretty. But doggone it, every Friday when I go mow my yard now, I've got Dallas grass poking right up out of that Bermuda. 
Have you, do you know Dallas grass? You know what I'm talking about? It's got that looks like a little wheat thing on the top of that ugly uh, root as well, or weed as well. The only thing that has been invented that will kill Dallas grass is a hoe. You gotta dig it up. You can't spray anything on Dallas grass that will kill it. But if you take a hoe to Dallas grass because the root is so deep, you're gonna have a chunk of dirt out of the, go look at my backyard, you'll see it. I got chunks out of the back where I've tried to dig this stuff up. But in throwing it then into my green trash can, I see a bunch of Bermuda in that green trash can too. Because I had to dig up the grass along with the weed to get the weed. It's a warning to us. That's exactly what, what uh, Jesus is saying. Well, think about it this way. I know how to swim. I learned how to swim when I was a kid. So I'm going to get my bathing suit. I'm going to get on a plane. I'm going to Rio de Janeiro. And Michael Phelps and I are going to swim the next, the next uh, race together, Right? You're going to know that I'm not a swimmer when I fall off the platform into the pool instead of jumping into the pool. You're going to know. How about this one? Did you see the, the Ukrainian gymnasts this past week on the Olympics? They're in the Olympics. They're one of the teams. And they all, every one of them, all of the men, got onto the mat when it was their time. And they, they throw up their hand to start. And then they turned and they walked and they sat down. They didn't even do a routine. None of them, all of them, just threw their hand up and then walked off. Didn't even do anything. They sure looked like gymnasts. Go home and Google this. No, YouTube this one from Singapore in, in uh, last year, 2015. The Filipino divers, have you seen that one? <laughs> oh my gosh. The Filipino divers, on the high dive, they come out, two of them, they come out, they got their little Speedo bathing suit on, they sure look the part, slender, muscular looking little guys, and they, they start that, and they bounce way up, and then they're like, Aah! and he falls right on his back, ka-splash, right on, he doesn't even get to the dive position, and all of them go, oh, and then they show his score. 0, 0.0, 0.0, 0.0, perfect score, 0, 0.0, all the way across. And then the next guy gets up there, he looks the part, he bounces way high, he falls right on his knees, he hits the water like this, skeesh, right in the water. He looked the part, but he's not the part, that's the point. It's a warning to us, friends, are you just simply looking like something? Are you looking the part on the outside instead of actually being the part on the inside? And then from the inside, living it out. And that's where Jesus concludes the last set of twos with two conclusions, from two sowers to two reactions. Now to the explanation, verse 36 and following, he gives us two conclusions. And the first conclusion defines the devil and his servants, those that will experience the fiery furnace, uh, the weeping and gnashing of teeth. We read this over and over in the gospel accounts. I, I, I just have to say, I don't know what that looks like. All I know is I don't want to experience that. It doesn't sound good. And we do understand that this is an eternal state. This isn't something that just happens until the harvest and then it ceases to happen. We're not annihilationists. It is an eternal torment, an eternal fiery furnace, an eternal weeping, eternal gnashing of teeth. But this is Jesus' point. One day, one day, it will be revealed. You may think you're fooling the world today, 
You may think you're fooling God today, living side by side in a counterfeit way. But one day it will be revealed, and our Heavenly Father knows what is darnel. He knows what is wheat and what is weeds. And He will separate the two. Deuteronomy 32, 23, For surely your sin will find you out. But... And that's why Jesus ends how he does. Another conclusion, that doesn't have to be your conclusion. If you're here today and that describes you, there is good news. If you're here today and that doesn't describe you, but the second one does describe you, then that's even greater news that you've already received this gospel of grace. Look what he says, verse 43. But then, then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. How are we to be righteous? How are we made righteous? We are made righteous by the work of another, by Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, the Son of Man, who came and took on sin, our sin, to give us righteousness, His righteousness, to clothe us in that righteousness today. A gift, the gift that God has given to us because He has already prepared our hearts and now planted good seed. It's ours for the gift the gift of, of receiving that he gives us this gospel. That's how we are made righteous. So, friends, by way of brief application then, three things let me just point you to. Number one, there should be no surprise for us that the wheat and the weed, weed, weeds live together. That evil and good are side by side. This is why one of the reasons why the church has church discipline. This is also why we see people that are here and then that leave or in, in the church and then abandon the faith and leave the church. Paul tells us that in 2 Corinthians. The devil is masking masquerading around and his servants are masquerading around as well. And then John tells us that, 1 John chapter 2. They weren't with us because they left us. If they were really with us, they would not have left us. So it should, take, it should be no surprise for us when the church identifies, when we see evil within us, even ourselves. It should not surprise us because of parables like this, words like this. Jesus told us the two will be together until the final harvest. Secondly, though, there should be no excuse. There should be no excuse. Have you heard this? I hear this all the time. Well, I, I, don't, want, I, don't, I don't want any part of, of, of the church, of formalized religion, because the church is filled with nothing but what? Nothing but a bunch of hypocrites. And that in itself is a hypocritical statement. Because if I say that, I'm saying that I'm better than the hypocrite. It's, it's the same. And so they said, well, I don't want any part of the church. Now, didn't Jesus tell us in his word? Didn't the Apostle Paul talk about there's only one body and you are all part making up the parts of the one body? How can you be part of the body if you're not with the body? So there is no, absolutely no excuse that just because evil exists in the church that now I don't want to be part of that. We can't go there. We can't go there at all because the parable tells us the wheat and the weeds live simultaneously side by side. Which drives us to point number three. Take no comfort, no surprise, no excuse, and take no comfort in your sin, beloved. Take no comfort in the fact, take no comfort in the fact that you possibly are the weeds instead of the wheat. 
And we're not going to justify our sin, excuse our sin, sweep our sin under the carpet, but we are going to mortify that sin by the power of the Spirit who is now planted in our hearts, who is boiling up within us like streams of living water. And from that power, enabled by that power, I will take no comfort in my sin, and you ought not to either. And we ought to hold one another accountable, not to take comfort in our sin, but to mortify it, to kill it, to shine like stars in the kingdom of heaven today until the fullness of that shining comes on the last day of the harvest. That's our call. That's our task. That's what he has created us to do. Planting good seeds within us to live the life of the kingdom, kingdom living today in our relationships, in our marriages, in our uh, spouses, with our husbands and wives, with our children and parents, and parents and children, and our extended family, our workplace, all of those places where we live. We are shining like the sun because we have been made righteous until the full day of glory when Jesus comes again And then in the fullness of that righteousness, we will shine forever and ever and ever. I started going to Colorado when I was a small child. We would go every year on vacation. One of the early years, I probably wasn't any more than about eight years old, we, my dad and I would go fly fishing, and, and we drove up to way outside of where we were staying in a cabin, way up to this stream, thinking that there wouldn't be many people up there and there would be more fish up there. And our typical fashion was we would walk down to the water and he would go this way and I would go that way. And we, we would come back together sometime later in, in the day. Well, we came back to the car and he had this giddy little look on his face. I didn't know what it was about, but we drove back to the, to the cabins and all my cousins and aunts and uncles, there'd be like 50 family members up there all reserving all these different cabins and have this big fish fry out in the back. And he comes out, all the my aunts and uncles and cousins are there in the back and he's got this little look on his face, holding his handkerchief in his hand. And he calls my mom over, come here, come here, come here. And my uncle follows as well and he opens up this handkerchief and there's gold in his handkerchief. And he goes, we went to this river up there and I whole river is full of it. It's full of this gold. And my uncle does that. He starts laughing. (laughs) What? What are you talking about? It's fool's gold, Dan. That's not real gold. That's fool's gold. He finally convinced him. He shook it off on the ground. Disappointment uh, all over his face uh, the rest of the day. It's ruined. He's ruined the whole rest of the day. But it fooled him, which is why it's called fool's gold. It, It fooled him. He was taken by it. He thought, he thought he had found his fortune right there in a river where nobody had ever been before. There were probably dozens of people that had been there even that morning. He just didn't know it. Are we fooled by you? Are we fooled by the life that you're living? Are you fooled by me? By the life that I'm living? It grows together. The wheat and the weeds. But the good news of the gospel is, dear friends, in Christ, beloved in Christ, loved ones, the good news is he makes us righteous by preparing our hearts. He makes us righteous by planting that seed in our heart. He makes us righteous by growing that seed in our life. And he causes us to live righteously, even among the weeds that are around us. By the strength of the Spirit, let's do it together. For Jesus' sake, amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, what a joy it is to hear your gospel. 
to be reminded over and over and over again that who we are is because of what you have done for us, not because of what we are able to do for ourselves, but because of what you have done for us, the seed of the gospel that, that you have planted in our hearts and in our minds. Father, I pray none of us, none among us here are, are darnal, but we all here today are those that have been made righteous by the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now that we would live that righteousness together in word and in deed, loving one another, forgiving one another, coming alongside one another, encouraging one another, all of those things that your word tells us to do. Let us live that out, Father, so that the, the weeds that are around us would be attracted to what it is that we have, the salt of the earth, and they would come and drink from the well of grace as you prepare their hearts and call them savingly to yourself. Do this work, please, through us, for your own glory's sake we ask. In Jesus' name, amen.